Stevie. Tariq. As me. And I'm Jim, and this is Topic Lords, the only place on the internet you can hear topics discussed. Stevie, would you like to introduce yourself, or do you have anything to plug? Not yet. Wait till next time. My patience only goes so far. <laughs> it's going to have to last a one and a half episode cycles. Not episodes, but what, well, since I only listen to the ones that I do, you know, one and a half episodes. Sure, sure, sure. <laughs> one and a half episodes of the Stevie show. Yeah. And Tyreek, would you like to introduce yourself or do you have anything to plug? I'm Tyreek. I make video games. Also, as an aside, sometimes I listen to your show and people have like weird things to plug that aren't things that they make made. Yeah. And I'm envious of them because I wish I had the ability to do that, but I actually make things. And so I feel obligated to plug the things that I make every time. If you go back and like listen to some of the episodes that I've been on, sometimes I feel like less than enthusiastic to plug the things that I actually make. And it's because I wish that I had something to plug that I didn't make. Like, I don't know, bugs or whatever. You you need to learn <laughs> to like things that aren't your own work. I need to like gain a, a greater appreciation for just the small random things in life uh, and then plug those. But instead, I'm going to plug the game that I make, which is called Catacomb Kidge, which uh, Stevie does audio and stuff for. And uh, also, I made an album, I guess, a while ago that is still on the internet and you can listen to if you find my band camp. I won't say what it is. It's a puzzle now. That's <laughs> yeah. right. Yo, wait. What? No, I'm sorry, Jim. You got to plug something. You go ahead. Dude, dude, you go first. <laughs> Can I plug uh, Apple's AirPods Pro because they're just so they're just so convenient and comfortable. I'm sitting in a chair right now using a real microphone uh, because the last time I listened to Topic Lords, I was ashamed at the the tin can echo of my voice in the room, but. Um, now that I'm sitting down with like a real thing in front of my face, I can't move. Normally I'm like pacing and, or like, I don't know, there may have been an episode I was just sitting on the toilet the whole time. I feel like my freedoms have really been <laughs> removed and I did this to myself and it's too late. So this is my life for the next hour and a half. Yeah. Yeah. I also, I've been using, um, the JLab Go Air Pop Bluetooth headphones, even though like I spent the first 40 years of my life trying desperately to never use Bluetooth headphones. My uh, phone's audio jack finally stopped working. Uh, and so I had to get some Bluetooth stuff. And the JLab Go Air Pop ones are pretty, you know, they're pretty solid. And they're 20 bucks instead of 20,000 or however, however much the Air AirPods are. Dang. Tariq, you got any product placement? Yeah, uh, I'm I'm using the MPOW uh bluetooth headphones i don't know what they're like it's, specific none of these are real names of products <laughs> <laughs> well i i actually do have a pair of jlab headphones but i never use them because they're like the in-ear kind and i don't like in-ear headphones generally right uh, so i have like a pair of over over ear bluetooth headphones uh that i'm using and i've been using for years and they've worked pretty well and sound in my estimation pretty decent so that's my there's my product placement. It's all Bluetooth all the way down. Yeah, just yep. smear some Bluetooth on it. Actually, I just realized those aren't the headphones I'm wearing right now. Those are the headphones that are around my neck, and I have a different pair of headphones that are on my ears that are plugged into my. All right, let's hear it. What are you? What are you? What are you rocking? Double dipper. Uh, so these, I don't know what these headphones are, but I'm using a Focusrite Scarlett audio interface, which is what I use to record on and listen to things through. 
So yeah. I'll plug that instead because these headphones are just random things. Damn. <laughs> Speaking of focus right, let's let's focus right. What on Jim's Jim's <laughs> plug? What are you all about, my man? Oh, I mean, I guess I, I changed my plug to the J Lab Air Pop Go well, thing. Obviously, we can do two plugs now. So, oh, okay. I was <laughs> I w- what I was gonna plug. I was gonna plug the George Michael album Faith oh, from 1987. Damn, which is a fucking stone cold banger of an album. Man. All the way through. It's really amazing. I've never listened to the whole thing, and I would absolutely do that. A friend of mine recently sent me a video, which I I, I assume is really popular, but I'd never seen before. It's a, um, a George Michael rehearsing uh, a Queen song at a Queen Memorial, at a, at a Freddie Mercury Memorial concert, and like David Bowie is like hanging out at the background or whatever. But man, George Michael can do things with voice that I can't conceive. Yeah, he's a or was yeah. uh, a superhero at that stuff. Totally, very, very, very like, and and like he also wrote and produced the entire album himself. So everything like performed and like superhero. Like I was saying, I've heard the name before George Michael, but I don't think I've ever like, and I'm sure I've heard songs of his before. Yeah, you're thinking things. of the the Arrested Development, where which <laughs> yeah, maybe that's it. Maybe that's it actually. <laughs> <laughs> But I don't know that I've ever actually like heard any of his his music. This podcast is now a faith listening party. Instead We're of just going to listen to faith <laughs> yeah. start to finish. Yeah, uh, we at least have to replace the poem with uh, replace the poem with the, that song with a George oh. Michael song <laughs> or just a reading of his lyrics. <laughs> I was going to say this has come up with, with, in conversation with Stevie and friends before, but there is a void in my like music library of '80s music because I generally don't like the sound of a lot of '80s stuff, just like the mm-hmm. general production of it. Yeah. So like my my music like library tends to go like oh there's stuff from the 60s there's stuff from the 70s and then in, and then there's like nothing from the 80s and then it goes straight to the 90s and then and then the thousands as a close friend of Tyreek's this is it's pretty hurtful to be honest <laughs> <laughs> uh, I can I can send you some stuff with the variety of sounds if you want to try to uh, shore this up. But I guess if, um, I'm, I would be curious, but I'm also not super hopeful that... Sure. Yeah. On the other hand, like, it sounds like you're pretty fulfilled right now and you don't need, you don't need the 80s in your life. <laughs> yeah. Okay, wait. Micro, micro topic before we get into the real topics. I got to right, tell right, Tyreek about this because you said bugs earlier. You said something about bugs, like plugging bugs. Oh, yeah. I want to plug bugs. Yeah. Bl- bug. I love little, little insects. Uh, they're cool. Except for mosquitoes. They can fuck themselves. They can. Well, or they should be able to. Okay, but check this out. I have good. <laughs> I have good news for you, Tyreek. I I thought that you would appreciate this. I learned this an hour ago when I was on on a on a joggy jog around the block. Check this out. Nice. The old. So the word lobster came into old English through Latin from the word that meant locust. So your hatred oh. of seafood and and how you relate it to bugs actually. You're not. Be, you're not because alone. Because lobsters are giant locusts. You're not alone. Interesting. That's that's very very interesting. I want to plug bugs and I want to unplug crustaceans. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's let's get into some you topics. Don't have I guess. That power. <laughs> <laughs> Tyreek, your topic is striped humans. Yeah. So this is a thing. I guess that uh, people uh, can have stripes or have the genetic capability to be striped, 
but it is usually invisible. Uh, they're like, I guess it's like an invisible uh, sort of cellular division along one's epidermis and and skin and that sort of thing but uh it can appear in certain skin conditions like sometimes people will have skin conditions where they have i think it's called like mos like mosaic uh cells or like mosaicism uh where they have like two different expressions of their cellular identity i don't know what the and that's distinct from chimerism i think it is distinct from chimerism but Maybe one is a subset of the other, and I'm not sure which would be sure. Yeah, superset. Um, I can see them being related, though. I'm not a scientist; I don't know that much. But I just think think it's really interesting and fascinating that like people have the capability to have these stripes. And also, uh, the I think uh, I was reading like the way it was discovered wasn't necessarily the expression of such a skin type disorder i guess it would be called i don't know if it would be a disorder or something else uh but rather the expression of other disorders that happen along the lines of these stripes uh like somebody uh i guess the dude like so uh what's it called black blachko's lines i think they're called i don't think i'm pronouncing that correctly because it's german or whatever but he like got a bunch of different patients and uh with with various like skin diseases and like superimposed them all over on top of each other and saw that the that the diseases tended to manifest along certain lines uh of the body and that's how he like realized that oh there's like these invisible lines that people have that are basically just stripes like uh like other creatures with stripes i guess uh, and uh, it's pretty it's it's just kind of neat that that's the thing that can happen sometimes that people that we have like this secret invisible power to be <laughs> yeah. striped. <laughs> yeah, that's really neat. When you say other creatures with stripes, all I can think of is striped fur, like zebras and other and, and like big cats and then striped, uh, I guess, wings and carapace. Uh, I mean, yeah, you've named the epidermi of creatures so yeah the skin seems so different from that but maybe not well am i am i wrong here like if you look at a striped mammal like a furry where the fur has stripes if you shave it you'll see the stripes on the skin as well is that correct think so i don't know about that because i've seen shaved cats and stuff like that but maybe maybe they weren't striped maybe they were i actually don't know uh Hmm. Yeah, nobody nobody knows on this show. That's <laughs> well. I finally um, finished typing the fr- figured out how to finish typing the phrase mosaicism to look up images and uh, on on the internet, and it's been pretty fruitless. Yeah, shout outs to the next next topic where we're gonna discuss that sentence. Yeah, I didn't mean to spoil that <laughs> mosaicism. One, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> oh, oh, typing. Right, 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 right. Yeah. What do you guys think about stripes? I guess. I guess. <laughs> well. When you say it, it definitely sounds cool, right? Is there is there like an upper limit to how strong of a contrast you can see in in the two color? Is it is it limited to two colors? I don't know. I think it is limited to two colors. I wonder like if it's it, like a, a gender expression thing where like only female cats can have three colors. Could be. Wait, is that true? Uh, unless I'm misremembering that factoid. Hmm. This is the yeah. This is definitely the show where nobody knows anything. Yeah, yeah. No, 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 no. no. We are the topic lords. We we we'll, right. we'll get through this. And now, now that I'm like looking at actual like like photos of people with this uh like expression of 
like stripes and stuff like that it seems a lot less like for example like tiger stripes or or like you know zebra stripes or whatever mm. and a lot more like just kind of like like there's a whirl like as opposed to it being like sort of radio like like centered on a sort of bilateral symmetry it seems more like it like it tends to be more centered on a singular point at which it's like sort of uh spiraling outward from or something like that uh which is kind of interesting like the julia set whoa yeah wait didn't have we talked about the julia set or you mentioned it before on topic lords i don't remember it coming up me neither it, 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 it never happened i just did the, the thing that any <laughs> it's a it's a swirly fractal oh uh, i see i see i just did the thing that any any uh lord of information would obviously do which is look up this on wikipedia and it says that a single organism possesses more than one genetic line as the result of a mutation which is that that's mosaicism yeah. mosaicism yeah yeah yeah, oh. yeah i mean that does sound Kind of like chimerism. What's the difference between chimerism and are, is this just a show where we're just going to be w- looking up various things on Wikipedia? Yes. Uh, so, calico cat is a domestic cat of any breed with a tricolor coat. They are almost exclusively female, except under rare genetic conditions. So, that's one oh. thing that is a fact if you believe Wikipedia. Oh, so you really you meant fact and not factoid. What's the difference? The, something that ends <laughs> something ends with oid looks like it, but it's not it. Fact a factoid is something that sounds like a like a a, a fact, but it's uh, not necessarily true. Is an egg an ovoid, but not an oval? Or I thought an I thought I thought an egg was an ovoid because it was three D and not because it was. I think you would call it an ovoid. Yeah. There's also toroid, and maybe that, but the torus is already three D. But you might might call an egg an ovoid because it is an ovum and it is like an ovum. Yeah. Well, but an o- ovum just means egg, right? Yes. <laughs> this, is, this, is, this is just like like describing an egg as look at it. It looks like an egg. It's, look at it. It's egg-like. It's eggish. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's humanoid. It's yeah. a humanoid yeah, is yeah, not a okay. human. A humanoid is something that has the kind of the resemblance of a human. So is so is a factoid then necessarily not true, or is it? Something so like is every fact also a factoid, but not all factoids are facts. Hmm. I don't know if a factoid is necessarily false, but it's definitely bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> like it's something, yeah, it's something that somebody says with confidence, and then you probably want to go look it up later. All yeah, right, accord- I'm going to Reddit dot com. Oh, our other good source of information. <laughs> oh, are humans humanoid? Yeah, that, that's definitely the repository of truth. I would say a human a human is humanoid. Like I would say anything is the description that it is then used to describe, right? So like if humanoid is is a description is a descriptor that is that is uh derived from humans, then humans are by definition humanoid is what I would say. You know what? Yeah, right. so I'm the one that's definitely bullshit because if 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 the oid suffix means that it looks like something or has the appearance of it, then Maybe it's just specifically with the word factoid that's used to d- diminish something or, you know, uh, demote it from truth to su- suspicious. Suspicious. Mm. All right. I I've, always... got, I've got information from Reddit here. This has 16 upvotes, <laughs> Damn, which it's means it's more reliable than any of us. <laughs> uh, and, it has, and it speaks to the word factoid as well, just coincidentally. 
It says, factoid traditionally meant a common misconception, something untrue, piece of, piece of information that people share and spread as if it were true, that is to say, resembling a fact but not a fact. However, the common usage of factoid now is just an interesting, little, and implicitly true fact. So to answer your question, in the strict sense, humans are not humanoid in, in the popular usage, but that could change in the future as it did with factoids. Interesting. Um, I've only ever really been exposed to the use of factoid as a term in the more recent usage. Like, I never thought of a factoid as being somehow untrue. I always thought of the oid yeah. as being sort of a diminutive, yeah, even though I'd... oid doesn't work that way on any other word necessarily. Yeah, and that's frustrating because, like, I like the word factoid as something that resembles a fact but isn't one. Right. Yeah, that's – so, yeah. Tyreek, that's a that's, useful term Tyreek, to have. that's because the definition you have is a, itself a factoid. It's a, oh, it's, no. mis <laughs> it's, mis it's something that sounds true and it spreads easily. So, what is what is a diminutive, like, suffix in English? Like, e? Well, there's, there's, like, there's, there's et, E-T-T-E, although that's French, right? Fact yeah, that's et. a good one. Mm, a factita. Yeah, yeah. If this, if the, so factet or, or facti trivium trivium oh man i never even thought of trivium as being a singular of trivia oh, it's it's super fun to take words that sound like plurals and make them singular like you could if you're not hungry <laughs> you could just eat a single macaronis <laughs> or a single raviolis <laughs> there could be a factlet yeah factlet that's the one. Oh, factlet is very good no, I like factlet a lot. All right, Jim is the real topic lord. He's the, he figured it out. <laughs> yeah, this is why you're the lord of all lords of topic lords. I just googled diminutive suffix and used the first one. Yeah. <laughs> That's good. We can move on to something else now. But I was also going to say, whenever I think of like uh, humans with stripes, it also kind of makes me think of like like body mod type stuff. Like mm -hmm. like I think I've 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 personally have mentioned this in previous episode of Topic Lords how like I like body mod stuff and think it's cool don't particularly like participate in it in an extreme in any extreme way so i don't know if either of you have ever watched batman beyond uh which was a cartoon of batman training his successor in like the future when everything was super sci-fi is really I remember it being a very good cartoon. I don't know if it holds up, but as far as I know, it's like still remembered fondly, so it might still hold up. But um, one of sort of the factions of villains uh, were uh, what was it called splicers, which which were people who spliced their uh, genes with animal genes to uh, gain animal traits. And so there would be like, I guess it, I guess they were basically like furries, but like if furries were less horny and more just into body mod stuff. And so like, there would be like people with like, you know, cat, cat fur or like lizard traits and that sort of thing. Um, and I always thought that was like the coolest thing ever. And I was like, if I ever lived in Batman beyond world, I would 100% be one of those people. I would like join the villains just to have cool, like hooves and horns and stuff. I want to be like half goat person. Pretty sure that coolness is the appeal of the of the bad guy side in general, right? Is is, is right? Yeah, yeah. Bad guys are cool. Um. <laughs> it sounds like the splicers are there. They want to get animal traits because it makes them better at fighting. Well, not just fighting. Like I, th I think it was also like like um, I mean, yes, there were the ones that wanted to fight, but then there were also the ones that were just all about aesthetics. Like they weren't all okay. villains, but there was like a faction of villains who was splicers. 
And then there were just like normal people who would like look like cat people just because they thought it was cool and go to go go clubbing and stuff like that. Uh, and I, I think I remember like for a kid's cartoon, always thinking that like the the scenes where they would go to clubs were still like weirdly horny uh for yeah. the, for, <laughs> for it to be like a kids cartoon uh and there would be like cat people and stuff in there and lizard people and stuff you say they're called splicers splicers yeah cuz there's like it's like gene splicing yeah i can see the appeal that's pretty cool anyway stri- striped humans just like the the whole idea of like like people that that have that this this hidden layer of stripes that no one can see just kind of makes me think like man even if we never get to the point where it's like, oh, I want to have like lizard traits and stuff, if it would be kind of interesting if we could like activate the genes that people have in such a way to like make these things visible or something along those lines. You've told me that you have plans to, uh, I don't know, what are you going to like pierce your eyeballs when you're 90 years old or something like that? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> extreme, extreme body manipulation. I mean, eyeball piercing sounds like a nightmare, but... It's the first thing I could think of, all right? I don't know. <laughs> get, your, get your internal organs tattooed. Make, make your bones... Inject your bones so that they glow in the dark through your skin. Ooh, what if there was, like, a body mode where you could just, like, <laughs> get, like, a window to your bones? Like... Rejected, yeah. denied! <laughs> <laughs> like the... Like, I can't remember what, what college did this, but they had, like, cows grazing... Where you could there are little windows into the stomachs. Oh wow! There was that movie with J Lo where a cow got exploded like that, or maybe it was a horse. I forget. That's it's creepy. It's creepy. Yeah, it does sound pretty creepy. Or like just like exposed rib cage. Just like walk around with like rib cage. Just like hey guys, check it out. Here's my <laughs> solar plexus. The stuff of you like stuff it? of actual <laughs> nightmares. <laughs> Enjoy. Yeah. 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 <laughs> my eyes are up here. <laughs> My solar plexus is over here. My eyes are over here. My eyes are up here for now. <laughs> for now. <laughs> are we ready for another topic? Please. I'm ready. Yeah, let's escape this. Stevie, your topic is alternative keyboard layouts, teaching yourself to type in new horrible ways. Oh, man, my topic should be teaching myself to stop interrupting people when we're doing a podcast together. It's really hard when, when I can't see you, you guys. Yeah, there's no visual cues. I'm not supposed to give away the the fact that we're not <laughs> the all in the secrets. same room, which we should do sometime. Um, yeah, this is a topic that uh, Jim noted. <laughs> I I mentioned this, and then Jim was like, "Hey, we should do that topic." About 20 minutes ago, like I was having a period of growth, I guess you could say, several months ago, and I was trying a lot of new things, and I I have taught, I have tried to uh, learn Dvorak and Colmac and uh, you know alternative. Um, keyboard layouts in the past and never committed to do them fully but somehow um, maybe back in May I just cold turkey switched over to Colmac and it wasn't that bad but my typing speed has never even approached remotely what my original typing speeds were and it is very slow and error prone even still yeah how long has it been it's been several months at this point. I think that. I oh think, wow! Okay. And, and I and I would wonder if I maybe I should have done more rigorous training in order specifically to get faster. Um, but here's the real problem. Um, one is I was like thinking so hard while typing that I actually 
started to hurt my left wrist, even though Colmec is a more ergonomic layout. And second of all, now when I need to type on another keyboard that uses QWERTY, I can't fucking do it anymore. I think I've completely <laughs> forgotten how to ride that bicycle super fast. I You're have to- all in now. You're you just Colmec, no choice but Colmec all the way for the rest of your life. Colmac or bust. I downgraded based on a on a uh, on like a philosophical advantage or uh, something like it's very embarrassing having to look not not to say that people should be embarrassed if you can't touch type but as someone who is really proud of my typing s- skills before uh, kind of hurts man I have to like look at the keyboard and hunt and peck now so have either of you ever tr- learned or attempted to learn a non-QWERTY keyboard layout. I was going to say I haven't, but listening to you, I, like I've considered it before and listening to you makes me want to not. <laughs> it's fun. It's well, okay, well, it's fun if you already wanted to do it. I don't know. Um definitely it's 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 a thing where if you try to do it, it might be novel for a little bit and it's very easy to lose interest and be like this is completely impractical because it does take commitment. It's kind of like learning another language. Less so, but but it's a uh, it's it's more yeah. abstract. You have to re um, teach your muscle memory. Mm. I learned Dvorak in like 2003 or something like that. And it's what I've been using ever since. Like when I was typing in QWERTY, I had this horrible typing posture uh, where I would use like three fingers total and like always rest my left pinky on like the tab key on like the side of the tab Whoa. key. And it was just then that's how I kept my place. Oh, dang. Oh, wow. That's. Yeah, that's a. It's so far. That's <laughs> so far. That's so far away. <laughs> he just has a really long pinky. <laughs> Body mods. Like an eye eye. <laughs> like an eye eye. Ew. Yeah. And the way I learned to touch type properly was by just switching keyboard layouts. And then I, now in Dvorak, I use the home row and all that good shit. Uh, yeah. One thing that's one, that's one thing that, that, that learning the new layout taught me is using the left hand for keys that the left hand is supposed to use instead of instead of like overreaching with the other hand for you know like v and sure. b it's yeah. kind of in a gray area an n those things in the bottom row yeah 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 i i'm a little distressed to hear that three months in you're still having problems i i want because i want to say uh, that's about how long it took me to get comfortable yeah. but i have no idea actually i never actually like moved the keys around physically so like my keyboards always still just have the qwerty letters printed on them what i did was i i printed out the 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 keyboard layout and i taped it to my monitor and typing was a process of like thinking of the letter i wanted to type scanning the the printout until i found what i wanted to do and then like typing that letter and it took a very long time it took like five seconds per letter at first five or ten I don't mind that uh, too much. The, the the advice that I've read is it might have even been on Colmac's website, you know, which boasts that you can changing layouts. What do they call it? Colmac by day, or you know, a Qwerty by day, Colmac at night, or something like that. Where you can you should be able to learn this without completely <laughs> Qwerty in the front, Colmac. Well, I was going to say that. I was I was going to say <laughs> that. Like like what is this? A mullet mullet yeah. typing uh, keyboard? Qwerty on the outside, yeah. Colmac uh, on the inside. It's delicious. Uh, Qwerty in the streets, Colmac in the sheets. <laughs> I think you just found the title for this episode. Um, the That's not bad, the, yeah. <laughs> so the, the advice that I read was uh, to uh, 
not rearrange the keys, uh, the the keys so that the legends are still QWERTY and uh, the legend is still QWERTY, and um, uh, to rely purely on blind touch typing for for the new layout and freely look at the keys for QWERTY, which is I don't have a choice at this point, unfortunately. But I'm beginning to doubt that it, it that it wouldn't help to have a visual association with the muscle memory. And I kind of wish that I had right. actually spent more time looking at my hands or do that a little bit just to strength, re- reinforce the positions um, because I'm sure there is a little bit of a visual element, at least at least to some level. I'm not entirely sure. But... So wait, have you been trying to learn Comac without looking at all? Like, oh, 100%. Yeah, the en- at your hands? Yeah, the entire time um, I've been doing that. That's how I did it too. Oh, weird. I can type probably faster than... I don't know if I, most people, but like I, I can type definitely faster than anybody that never had touch type training uh, in Colmac. I'm just disappointed because uh, I was a very fast typer in, in QWERTY originally, and um, I feel limited by that. You're at a comfortable speed then. Comfortable. With, with this new. Yeah, comfortable. Not the... the- blazing speeds you're accustomed to yeah it's my glory my glory days uh, all these all these diplomas and awards on my on my shelf <laughs> all, all these trophies mean nothing now time to throw them in the trash um i don't mean to make it sound horrible tyreek uh it's actually a pretty fun experience um and i will say that if i can uh, let go kind of loosen up and and my mind turns off or my brain turns off and i start typing faster in Colmac. It's hella comfortable. Interesting. It's it's like all the stuff is on the strong fingers and without without um, having a... I was going to say twerk, but fingers don't do that. Tweak, like the position of my fingers <laughs> too much. That's a different thing, twerking fingers. <laughs> yeah, that's the that's that's um, one way to get carpal tunnel syndrome is to twerk with your, with your fingers. Uh, make them snap? Uh, wh- uh. <laughs> make that finky snap, yep. I think I was like, like I felt my hands starting to sort of develop court, kind of like a carpal tunnel-ish sort of feeling. Uh, and I haven't felt that in a while because I was sort of quite diligent about like after, like after once I started feeling that I was like, oh no, I have to change something. And so I like, like started, you know, doing, doing regular hand stretches and giving myself breaks and that sort of thing. Uh, but it, it was still kind of a very scary thing because like I am an artist and my hands are very important to me and the ability to be dexterous and make my hands do what I want without hurting is, I mean, I guess for anybody, a very important thing to do. But for me, it's like the idea that I wouldn't be able to use my hands uh, in a uh, precise manner for any amount of time is uh, very, very scary. Uh, And so like, once I started feeling, feeling that I was like, I'm going to, you know, I got, got a a bunch of, not a bunch, but like I got like, you know, some like hand compressors, started doing stretches and that sort of thing. And fortunately, the pain subsided and I haven't really like it's come back here and there since then, but it hasn't been nearly as bad. And whenever it happens, I like immediately stop whatever I'm doing. Uh, but when I was looking for solutions, it did occur to me to try and possibly use a different keyboard layout that would maybe like be like less stressful or less prone to RSI and that sort of get thing. Get a split keyboard. Uh, but I never actually pursued it. But I did get uh, the key and the keyboard that I'm currently using is one of those like sort of 
split in half yeah, keyboards. Yeah, yeah. So instead of it being instead of it being like all together and directly in front of me, I like have like a much more relaxed posture with my hands kind of at either at either either side of me and in a more sort of naturalistic position. Uh, and there's like just a giant gap on my desk where you know in between the two keyboard halves. Um, and I will say I've been using this for how long have I had this keyboard? I think it's been over a year and I still feel like I'm not as fast as I used to be. Uh, because like I used to do like a lot of like, you know, like finger crossing over to the other side of the keyboard. And now the other side of the keyboard is like a full foot away. And so that's not really (laughs) a thing I can do anymore, but that's still like the way my brain wants to, wants to behave. And so I have, and I like, I haven't really done any like deliberate, like, training or anything to like uh get faster on this so maybe maybe if i were to do that it wouldn't be as big of an issue uh but just expecting to expecting to be as good as i was before and as fast as i was hasn't really worked out and i still uh tend to like make mistakes fairly often and that sort of thing it is a little irritating but if it's the cost of my hands not breaking (laughs) and and being unusable for months at a time uh i mean it's 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 i guess a worthwhile price to pay Yeah, worrying about like your tools uh, when you're an artist is you know that's part of your body is for real like that's why i always worn earplugs at loud Mm. places and everyone's like eh, i don't need that i'm like you'll be sorry but maybe they won't be sorry I care because if I can't hear stuff or if my, you know, if I can't hear things as well, uh, I've just lost a very important thing to me. Do you, either of you have a Nintendo Wii before? Did you ever? Yeah. Did, well, <laughs> yeah. Did, do you remember the feeling of, did you ever have this moment where you, one day the nunchucks when it, was, when it was separate was like no longer a novelty and there's this, you could like rest your arms just like gently down at your sides or like on your legs farther apart from each other than they would be when you're holding a controller or something like that oh yeah yeah you, what you want to do is you want to rest you want to rest your nunchuck or your Wiimote right in like right at waist level so that when it comes time to shake it you whack yourself right in the balls <laughs> Duh, done and done yes ideal ideal scenario but the whole when the whole the whole experience leading right up to that ball smack is actually very pleasant and natural the, the, yeah the, having your your arms a little wider a little farther apart i never thought about this but like i actually do miss the ease and laziness of playing a wii game where like i could put my hands wherever the fuck i want relative to each yeah. other this is a, this is a real yeah this is a real tangent but um i uh maybe topic for another time but uh, there, I feel like there's a, a, a like a, a perfect contr- input method for certain games. Um, I built myself like a gaming PC for the first time in, in like 2016. My all, you know, all of my friends were playing Overwatch and PUBG, and it's like, oh, cool, I'll try that out too. Even though I never was into like uh, FPS games, and then um, I learned quickly that mouse is way better than a joystick for aiming, but WASD mm-hmm. is fucking horrible because it's like finger cramps and it's very awkwardly positioned and there's like no uh continuous input so i feel like the best like the best input for a game games like that first person games with precise aiming is a mouse for aiming and one of those uh mm-hmm. nunchucks like we we nunchuck or something oh, yeah. like that oh. for the left hand that would be the yeah. dream for me but um I don't know if they have enough buttons. Yeah, I've definitely felt the same thing where like you, the mouse gives you much more accuracy 
the other thing about the mouse, like I, I don't, I don't play those games anymore, but I do think that like a competitive multiplayer shooter on the PC, the design is always dominated so heavily by precise, fast, precise aiming that that's always what those games are about. Mm. Whereas on a console, the aiming is, is just not as much of a factor. And so it can be about lots of different kinds of skills. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I've got a response from Avery. So another micro topic here. He wrote to you, but not to me. Oh boy. Yeah, that's right. He cares more about me <laughs> Live now. Live on the air. Live <laughs> on the air, folks. You heard it here first. The Crypto Land promotional cartoon. Ask him oh, about it. Oh no. <laughs> I forgot about that topic. Unfortunately, that's one that maybe we need to do as homework and then talk about it afterwards. It's a, it's very, it's, it's partially a visual thing. Uh, is this uh-huh. oh cool? Is this another micro topic? Uh, only if, only if you're ready to talk about it. If you want to do homework and do it later, that's fine. Well, I think it would be more fun if you've seen it because of how terrifying it is. Have you heard of Crypto Land? Only what Avery told me yesterday, and I forgot most of it. Okay, well, some <laughs> uh, some some cryptocurrency bros. Uh, we're trying to buy an island in Fiji for a laughably small amount, so they could turn it into a cryptocurrency haven. Um, okay. And they made, and there were a lot of really sketchy things about it. Uh, and there is there there's a person who's uh, oh corn I can't remember her name, but uh, she's done a lot of uh, uh, research on the harm that cryptocurrencies have done uh, <clears throat> and continue to do. And so uh, she had an amazing Twitter thread where she exposed a lot about this crypto land project. Um, regardless of where you stand, it's pretty hilarious. No, that's not true. Regardless of where you stand, uh, it's it's uh, you have to if you're really into cryptocurrency stuff, then you might not like this. But they made a promotional video, which was very bizarre, very bizarre and um, terrifying. It was a, it's an animated thing, a 3D thing. <laughs> and there's a lot that's wrong with it. Um, I'm going to leave it at that for now. Uh, it's not on YouTube anymore because they took it down. But they're, I think oh. it's on PeerTube. PeerTube? Yeah. <laughs> is that is, the, is PeerTube like a peer-to-peer video streaming site where you can't take anything down because it's peer-to-peer? Uh, that's that's what I understand about it, yeah. Okay. Huh. Yeah. This, this is a cliffhanger. Some, yeah. other, some other day, yeah. Yeah, yeah. To be continued. All right. My topic is where did I get these floppy disks? All right. Context here. I was getting ready to go to... Hype O'Clock Game Dev and Tea Time, which is a social event that Stevie runs out of his house. It sounds fun. Uh, it's 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 a fun event. Uh, I wouldn't and know. And I was I was <laughs> picking up my bag to fill with my laptop and such, and on top of my bag were three floppy disks with poems on the labels, and I didn't recognize them, and I was just like, where did where did these disks come from? So I put them in the bag. I took them to Hype O'Clock thinking like, I only use this bag like ever since COVID, basically. I haven't left the house except to go to Hype O'Clock. <laughs> uh, I only ever use this bag to go to this one event. So clearly, if the disks are associated with this bag, they must have come from this event. So I asked everybody there, like, what is, where did these come from? Uh, and no one had any idea. We're going to get to the bottom of this, all right? I have additional information, uh, breaking news, uh, but but I want to I wanna hold off on that until I get your reactions to the story. <gasps> My reaction was a, ga- a gasp. It was a gasp, yes. We were both there for the initial confusion, uh, and 
Yeah, we were burning. We were burning. Cast. We were we were there when we <laughs> when we cracked the code that these were uh, drinking related haikus. Right, right. Well, we're gonna in the next topic we're gonna get to the actual content of the poems. Okay, good, good, good. Um, I think my, my initial reaction was basically like, oh yeah, I've totally like put down stuff that I didn't remember five minutes later. And then come back to them and wonder where they came from. <laughs> and so I was just like, oh, yeah, that's relatable. <laughs> that's fair, yeah. Uh, but the fact that they remain a mystery even after you, like, re-encountered them or encountered them for the first time is kind of uh, a little bit eerie, I guess. Like, yeah. Were, like, did you ever ask uh, ask your, your, your wife or child about them uh, if they knew where they came from? I think either one of them could have solved the mystery for me. Okay. One of the things we tried to do at at Hypoclock was like Stevie threatened to, to have a USB floppy drive. We were going to see what was on these discs. <laughs> uh, but I can tell you, probably there's nothing on the discs. Probably this is. Uh... So I asked my wife about this. She said that Winston put them on my bag because she asked him to. Oh. And where these came from was this is uh, my my brother in law. Uh, made them as drinking coasters. Oh. oh! So everyone that is near to you in your life, everyone that is closest to you, had inf- like an, like a fraction of the information. But the first people <laughs> you came, the first people you went to was your. I hired a private investigator to put it all together <laughs> for me. But none of them remembered that you don't drink. Oh, I mean, you can you can drink other beverages and put them on your coasters. That's a good point. I just I, I am not a user of coasters for anything. So that's how you get that's how you get circles. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, it doesn't really yeah, it doesn't really matter if it's if it's on a non-precious surface, but don't you ever go doing that on a piano. That's all I ask. This desk isn't even really a desk. It's more like a folding table that I got at Office Depot 15 years ago. So, not exactly an heirloom. <laughs> I think it was 50 bucks. It's kind of like you don't always need a mouse pad, you know? This still does its job just fine. You don't really need uh, a, a coaster. Yeah, you got you to go open it up and clear, clean off the rollers sometimes. Because you definitely still have those. I was just going to say, anything can be an heirloom if you pass it down. Yeah, but I didn't. Pa- nobody passed it down to me. Unless, unless you terrifying thought. Office actually. Depot. <laughs> Office Depot passed it down to you. <laughs> In their uh, will. Yeah. <laughs> when they died. So <laughs> the death of Office Depot. Jim, you said that there is probably no data on these discs. But where right. did, where did they get these discs? Uh my guess is uh, I, my I, my guess is actually that they got them from work. Um So there could be really sensitive corporate information on these discs is what you're saying. <laughs> <laughs> Wink uh, nothing. My, yeah, could could be. Could be. I can't rule it out. Uh, my guess is that it they, like at, at that office, they just have like a closet that's dedicated just to media from the 80s. <laughs> and he just pilfered a couple of the, of the floppies. I'm looking behind me now, which you can tell by the character of my voice. I've got <laughs> a box of like 100 floppy disks that I just picked up at a yard sale. So I guess the the what I actually wanted to do with them when I picked it up at the yard sale was I wanted to use it to make those uh, Star Trek ships out of the floppy disk. Do you, do you know what I mean by this? Nope. Like in nope. the, in the style of origami, 
you can disassemble a floppy disk and fold it into the Starship Enterprise. What? And you can do the same thing with like the, there's a Klingon design. Which part well, do like you like fold? Klingon Warbird, do you have to fucking is. cut anything, or do you just fold it? You do cut, yes. You do. Okay. That's not so real it's origami. Not origami. <laughs> <laughs> you also have to like tear it apart with your bare hands. Talking to a couple of purists over here. And I made um, Christmas tree ornaments for family members out of these floppy disks, but that was like four of them, and now I've got like ninety six left. That's pretty cool. <laughs> So you can make a whole fleet. <laughs> right. Were, yeah. were these family members that would yeah. appreciate that yeah, kind of If you thing? make a thousand of them, you get a wish. <laughs> <laughs> right, exactly. Uh, Jim, I also, I also uh, in, I guess, inherited a mass of floppy disks very long time ago, though. It was probably not quite 20 years ago, but um, it probably was about then. Uh, unfortunately, I think they were mostly new or, uh, you know, uh, unused, which means there's probably nothing interesting on them. But... You know, right before we started recording, I just remembered a location in my house that might be hiding this USB floppy drive. So I'm going to take another look. Yeah, I'm excited. I, I mean, I'm definitely bringing these discs to Hypoclock next month, assuming I go. I, I hope you do, um, because it's probably going to be some like Ringu type shit where we... We plug it in and it curses your <laughs> yes your computer and you have to yeah so so it's gonna be some demo scene stuff we gotta Cursed load up demo scene DOS box oh man oh do you curse demo scene is fantastic do you think curse demo scene actually still works through an emulator or does it have to be an actual hardware like DOS running on Meta Bremel? we're gonna find out <laughs> we're gonna <laughs> in in another like oh god never mind we already have like. Everyone's already obsessed with like cursed cursed VHS tapes. The ring was like a, a VHS tape, was it? Yeah. Or like, yeah, if it gets digitized, the DVD it doesn't work <laughs> yeah, anymore. That's what I was gonna say. Like, like it would be so funny if somebody digitized the ring VHS and then like the curse didn't work, but the the like haunt it yeah. was still haunted. But she was just yeah. like chilling in there or something She's like, like that. Nah, sample rate's too high. It doesn't sound as good this way. Uh, yeah. It's it's doesn't have the richer tone of VHS. <laughs> Dude, do you have you guys have you guys refreshed your memory to what the resolution of a DVD video is lately? It's shockingly small. Isn't it like one ninety two uh, vertical something it, like it that? It is something in that range. It's, it's shockingly bad. Yeah, like it's it's worse than broadcast TV. Yeah, <laughs> like SD TV. That's nuts. That was it. Ah. <laughs> uh, are we ready to read these poems? Yeah, definitely. Hey, there, hey, there's three poems and there's three guys. I'm just saying. Oh yeah, that's cool. Uh, but I'm the I'm the only one who has them here. Uh, you, haven't, you, haven't, you don't want to type them out no, real quick? No, then he'll be cursed, Tyreek. <laughs> <laughs> How fast can you type on your on, on your weird weird layout? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I I could type these pretty quick. Do you? I mean, we could we could do we could do it that way if you if you're really into the idea of each of us reading. No, one no, of the no. Poems. I, th- I think I think you should do them, Jim. I was uh, trying to. <laughs> yeah, I don't yeah. want to steal your thunder. That that's that's. I don't want to catch your curse. <laughs> I'm gonna be playing oh, yeah. my ears for the next. Five if I minutes. type it on a QWERTY keyboard, the curse doesn't come through. <laughs> All right, he's had so many. He requests the chicken dance again and again. That was one of the poems. Here's the next one: a head tall and firm, like whole wheat pancake batter. Atop darkest stout. And number three, after a couple, I enter a dreamlike state or maybe passed out. Beautiful. I, I already have a question and a response. 
Well, one thing really bothered me about that last one when I when I saw it at at the events, which is the tense changes for some reason. Yeah, it does. And it's the yeah. same number of uh. syllables. It doesn't have to do that. <laughs> I enter a dreamlike state or maybe passed out. Um, yeah, it's uh, it's 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 not my favorite either. Uh, they're poems about drinking, so perhaps you could just pass it off as like a drunken oh, error. Maybe that. Maybe that's... I don't think that's that different. Low, like I don't know. Maybe this is me, but like passed out. I enter a dreamlike state, or maybe passed out, or I maybe keep trying like, to make it work. And I well, think it, I think like it's it... just missing the am. Like I think they just omit the am, or maybe am passed out. Yeah, when you can't you can't because it's a haiku, you can't add the syllable. Right, but I feel I feel like it still works linguistically. It's just kind of a stylistic decision in my, in my mind. Oh, I as see. A, as opposed to a, a oversight or mistake. This is what contraction. This is what contraction is for. Maybe m passed out. Maybe apostrophe m. <laughs> maybe maybe m passed out. Yeah, that that apostrophe that 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 contraction that we all know and love. Maybe m. <laughs> the the question I had, Jim, is: Do, do you? Since now you know that uh, your nearest and dearest are responsible for these floppy poems, do you know who wrote the poems? I don't. Ah. Um, my guess is that my brother-in-law wrote the poems. That seemed like his style. Okay, that's. What, I didn't want to get to. I didn't want to bash the poems too much. You know, family. Listen, I don't think he would be upset if you didn't like his poetry. <laughs> well, no, it was just the one grammatical nitpick. But hey, it's poetry, and that just shows how well I understand poetry. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's a pretty cool uh, um, trinket, knickknack. I don't know what you call it. Yeah, poems on floppies. Yeah, a, little, I th a I think weird little artifact. Stevie's the one that that pointed out that they're all just based like based on poems based on being drunk. Uh, yeah, haikus haikus based on on drunkenness. Because when you first read them out at, at at hype, I was like, "What? What is? What? What is this? Is this a riddle? Yeah, it's a riddle. It takes one and no one to solve it." Yeah. What does the stout represent? <laughs> it represents dark beer. Wait, oh. actually, can you read the second one again with the pancake oh. batter? Because I I don't understand the pancake batter thing. A head tall and firm, like whole wheat pancake batter, atop darkest stout. Pancake batter is pale and viscous, and stout is a dark beer, which usually so, has a has a has yeah, a tall froth. I am also yeah. remembering that that the froth on beer is called the, yeah, head. the head. I forgot that yeah. and was imagining a human head like pancake <laughs> batter. Yeah. Uh, also, the words like head and tall and firm it it can throw you off if you don't know what the context is. Right? Yeah. 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 You're not a drinker. I'm not either. But it may help to know that, like, the darker beers are often compared to bread or bread-like substances. Mm, yeah, that makes sense. Beer is just bread that you put in a blender, I'm assuming. Mm. I'm assuming that's how it works. That that sounds amazing. Yeah. I would, if that were the case, I would drink <laughs> well, all the then time. You have, then you have to ferment <laughs> it by, by leaving it out in the sun for two weeks. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I'm already, I've already got my fermentation... Uh, my fermentation intake handled by apple cider vinegar. You just drink that? <laughs> this, this is something that the episode that just came out the Monday. Well, okay. It's coming out the Monday after we record this. Erica extols the benefits of apple cider vinegar and talks about how most Americans don't get enough short chain fatty acids in their diet. How, how would I know if I'm getting enough short chain fatty acids <laughs> in my diet and what do those do? Excellent questions. 
both. Uh, and I don't know. <laughs> Do I need to listen to that episode? I I mean, I'm entertained by every episode of Topic Lords. Like a good lord, like a like a good lord that is good good lord. <laughs> I've said too much already. Bad lord. Good lord, bad lord. The old the old classic good lord, bad lord. <laughs> <laughs> when interrogating your subjects. Yeah. Uh, are we ready for another topic? Yeah, let's go there. Stevie, your topic is how do I give a tech talk? Uh, for the first time ever, I'm going to make a presentation on a technical topic in front of other people live in the flesh and planet Earth. And uh, pretty scared about it actually lately because uh, I don't know if it's going to match the tone or the topic or the level of sophistication of the other ones that are before it and after it. And I kind of need to get that stuff figured out and just just commit to it. Well, I know yeah. that both of you have, well, I, I know for sure Tyreek has given talks because we've talked about them, but before we started recording, I heard that, Jim, you have too. What advice can you give me? And I don't need advice on public speaking. I've done that before. That's not a problem for me at all. Uh, anything specific to preparing the material? What's the difference between what you're doing now and the public speaking you've done before? This is going to be uh, technical, first of all. And, uh, <laughs> well, okay, I'm just going to say it. So some of some of the public speaking I've done, it goes way back to when I was pretty young uh, due to my religious upbringing uh, and it was of a religious mm -hmm. nature, which is not the kind of talk that I would give now. Oh, did you did you talk at your bar mitzvah? <laughs> no, no, no. It's way worse than that. Uh, and then... <laughs> oh, okay if you're if you're not ready to get into this that's fine it sounds to me like you just need to channel the power of christ into your tech talk <laughs> wrong god tyreek wrong gods <laughs> wrong god uh uh vishna vishnu getting warmer uh, <laughs> um cthulhu, cthulhu. <laughs> hell yeah I guess I guess I wouldn't say that I've done any like public speaking related to music, but definitely just lots of performance when I was a much more active musician. Yog Sothoth. You know, you, I know you're testing me. No, I don't know what that means. I was kidding about the. <laughs> what, what does that mean? What does that translate to something? Oh, I don't know what it means. It, it's it's one of the one of the elder gods. I'm just picturing a lot of apostrophes. Is that a real one? Because I never know which ones are real and which ones are just made. Well, I guess they're all made up syllables. But uh... they're all made up syllables. Yeah, <laughs> I mean that's one that that one of that one was in Arkham Horror, the board game. So oh, okay, it's, okay. it's at least that real. Yeah, pretty cool. Well, anyway, this is a talk which should have a message or a thesis of some kind, and. Uh, uh, it's you know, there's a community of people that I respect and I, I, I want to respect me. And so, of course, I feel like the stakes are high, even though it's probably not as bad as I think it is. But uh, in in general, I, I've never had to give like a really structured talk of, of this length or on something technical. Yeah. Well, so first of all, I would say that if there isn't a variety of levels of technicality of the talk and if there isn't a variety of tones... Uh, then I would say that the organizers screwed up and it's not your fault if you don't fit in. I, I really think like it, you don't, I don't think you need to worry about like your talk being too technical or not technical enough mm. or having a different flavor to it than the other talks because you want a variety of flavors when you're seeing a bunch of talks in a row. Otherwise it gets boring. That makes a lot of sense. The 
the uh, the the agenda is is available now, I believe, and I I, I got a, a a peek at um, the ones that have been announced, and I I it does look like there is a variety so far, which is cool, and it is a little bit comforting in terms of actually giving the talk. The advice I was going to give, I don't know if this is really appropriate for your experience level, but I mean, we got a wide audience here. Some of them might be giving a talk. I have done two talks. The first one, I wrote a script, and then at the talk, I read the script, which was okay. You know, the some people liked the talk. It wasn't. Uh, it wasn't like a stone cold banger <laughs> that that people seemed to really like. I didn't get voted into the into the the GDC deck or whatever it is of of, of playing cards with good speakers on them. <laughs> um, and the other talk, I prepared a set of slides. And I improvised based on the information in the slides, using the information in the slides as a reminder of what my points were going to be. Uh, and I think that second one is the way to do it, except you should practice more than I did. I think you want like to give it a bunch of run-throughs, both on your own and in front of you know small audiences, ideally. That has been the plan so far, is exactly what you described. Um, I don't like listening to people that are reading a script and I don't like reading a script. And <laughs> I also know that uh, winging it is risky. And so uh, practice is a good idea too. So, so far yes. that sounds great. Yeah. That's, that's very good advice. Uh, I've given quite a few talks and uh, every single time I wish I had done it differently. Uh, and then I never, and then <laughs> I never do. Uh, so I just <laughs> refuse to learn my lesson, I guess. Wait, have you just given the same talk over and over again? No, no. <laughs> I mean, in terms of like preparation and that sort of thing, like I know what the prepare for a talk is and I never do it. And, uh, the way I usually do my talks is, and I know this is the bad way to do things, but I tend to like write down exactly verbatim what I want to say, like word for word and when I'm writing it out, I try to understand that I'm going to be speaking it. And so I try to like understand where I'm going to be inflecting things and where I'm going to be like giving a sense of emphasis and that sort of thing. Uh, and so I write it in that way. So I try and write it in my natural voice, which is why I think maybe people don't notice as much that it's extremely scripted. Like I've even at, at certain times gone so far as to like type out the ums that I say to make it sound more natural and that sort of thing. <laughs> that is fucked up. Yeah, it's horrible. It's a it's a terrible way to do things. <laughs> but but that's the way I do it and then I give the talk and you I'm obviously like when I give the talk uh I don't stick to the script like always 100% like I'll you know fumble over some stuff and then I'll realize in the middle of giving the talk that oh I didn't expound upon that enough so let me like just vamp a few more sentences about the thing to clarify what i meant to say um but generally yeah i like write things out uh way too verbosely and then deliver it in that way and uh hope nobody notices and also i tend to practice way too little before i give them uh but even considering all of those things and the fact that i do everything wrong like I've had multiple talks where people came up to me afterwards or people like still message me to do th to this day and be like, that was an amazing talk. And so I'm like, you know what? Maybe I can just keep doing things wrong and hope I keep getting away with it. Yeah. You can, <laughs> you can make up for bad performance with yeah. good content and people will appreciate it. Yeah. I'm not worried that it won't be natural. Again, like I said, I think the performance or the, the, the delivery part is not 
a massive concern. But in terms of the content preparation, mm. what what did you guys experience? Um, and have you experienced trying to prepare for a talk that for any reason had you nervous? I mean, they always have me nervous. Well, I was just nervous. Yeah, nervous because of public oh, speaking dang, reasons. Oh, opposite sides here. I'm nervous because I'm gonna. I'm worried that I'm gonna say is bullshit. So, no, I, 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 I will say I think I, I have been in in your shoes as well, Stevie, in that like public speaking itself doesn't really make me nervous. But um, the uh, I guess the most recent talk I gave was uh, I don't know if it would count as technical. But it was about like 2D animation in games. And it was about like like basically just giving people a primer on 2D animation games. Uh, like here are the principles of animation. Here are the things that they mean. Here are some uh, XYZ and that sort of thing. And That sounds so cool. Can you send that to me? Yes, I will. The, thi- the thing that I was most nervous about uh, get- going into it wasn't necessarily whether I would like deliver it well. I was pretty sure like, you know, I've, I've done a bunch of talks. I'm pretty confident in my ability to speak well. Uh, but like whether the information would be useful and relevant and like i didn't want to talk down to people but i also didn't want to like assume that they knew certain things that they might not and so like trying to find that and like make that balancing act is difficult i think like like understanding the audience that you want to be talking to is like okay is this a group of people that actually know things already and can I assume a certain level of knowledge? <laughs> and if so, what level of knowledge can I assume? And yeah, yeah. Well, I think it's really important to realize that by just by the fact that they're coming to your talk, they are consenting to be lectured uh, b- by you on this topic. And like they wouldn't be there if they didn't think it was interesting right. or going to be relevant to them. Mm. Uh, it'd be very different. Like, it's 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 a super different dynamic if like you just like walk up to somebody on the street and start giving them your talk. Yeah. Or like start start like saying it at the at the Thanksgiving dinner table. Yeah. And so I think I think that the sort of conclusion I came to was basically to I guess the way I tried to handle it and I don't know whether I was 100% successful in this or not, uh but basically the way I tried to handle it was uh to sort of layer my talk into sort of uh a few different like segments or sections to to jim's point i i kind of came into it with the understanding of like oh if, if people are here then and they read the abstract that i wrote for the talk which is basically like this talk is for people of this certain you know who, who have this understanding uh then i can understand uh, then i can at least expect a certain degree of of passing interest and knowledge in the topic and so and and this was uh, to be specific this was a talk for like beginners and not necessarily experienced people with animation and so like i kind of like layered my talk in sort of three different sections where i was like okay the very beginning i'm going to just like blaze through what i'm going to be talking about and in that same section i'm going to lay out some very basic terminology that people should be familiar with and then i'm going to kind of go into the actual meat of the talk and like like I guess yeah yeah sort of like the thing that I think people should learn and then at the end of the talk I kind of went a little deeper and is like okay well the beginning was to sort of prime people and just like let people understand the next thing that I was going to say and then the middle was to like actually convey that information and then the end was building on the middle so that if you got through the middle then you would then be able to understand the next thing I was going to say you know 
And so it's like each section kind of builds on the previous one so that you can understand like, okay, here's like a brief primer, all the language that you're going to need to understand what I want to communicate. And then here's what I want to communicate. And then here's some more, even more specific stuff that I want to communicate that might go over some of your heads. But if it doesn't, then good. And if it does, check out the last part again. <laughs> that sounds that sounds really good, especially for it sounds like your talk was meant to teach people something. So yeah. I like the way that it's both uh, you're kind of rapidly building building people up, not assuming too much. Uh, and yeah, I think that that's that's sort of sort of where I was coming from. Is like I don't assume. I don't know. Like I was gonna say, I think it's better to underassume what people know, but I don't know that that's true. Overassuming what people know and then underexplaining it, and then like just going over everybody's heads uh, versus spending half your talk re- going over stuff that people already understand, and then they come away being like, "Oh, he could have." Well, spent every, that everybody's going to come into the talk with a different knowledge yeah. level like you kind of have to just pick a level and stick with it right. yeah you just kind of have to resign yourself to the fact that certain people are going to get more out of it than yeah. others and i think that's fine uh because the people that are going to get a lot out of it are going to really appreciate it and the people that don't are going to just move on with their lives yeah. there's only one track here right there's just a bunch of talks in a row there are like two, it was one two, night there are two is tracks. that right yeah oh, there are two tracks okay yeah, one, the track that i'm on is less is 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 less technical uh abstractly it's more about the relationship between humans and software and okay so this stuff still holds then i was going to say like if people don't have a choice for what talks they're going to go to then you maybe should figure cater to your audience specifically a little, a little bit harder but if they actually do have a choice then you can totally blame the audience for picking the wrong talk if they don't like it i was going to blame them no matter <laughs> yeah. what it's fine yeah it's their fault. Yeah. Oh, there you go. I'll find somebody to blame. That's the important <laughs> part here. Yeah. That's the solution. Wait, Jim, what was the what by the way, what what was the topic of your talk? So my first talk, it was called Preserving a Sense of Mystery in the Age of Spoilers, or maybe a sense of discovery. Oh, I can't remember yeah. which one. That rings a bell. Uh, and I was really proud of that one. Like uh, again, like the performance was kind of stilted. You can find um not the GDC performance because it wasn't recorded, but you can find it on YouTube and Vimeo. Um, and I think there's a lot of good advice in there if you're trying to make a mysterious game. The other talk was about running, uh, it was about the, the, the Frog Fractions 2 ARG. And that was more like here, like, I guess it was, it kind of got into how do you run an ARG for no money? <laughs> and the answer is, you get everybody excited about your project and they just want to volunteer to help you. <laughs> yeah. I thought you were going to say the answer is you don't. Uh. <laughs> yeah. That, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I didn't pay anybody, <laughs> any of my people who helped with ARG. So like, and, and like the downside there is that that trick only works if you actually have no money, <laughs> because right. if you do have a budget and you're not spending it, people are like, what the fuck? I thought you were going to say the only downside is that it keeps you up at night knowing that you're just not paying people. Uh, but <laughs> that would only keep you up at night if you did have the money to pay them in the first place. And you're just like, nope. Right, right. The first step to 
running an ARG with no money is to have no make money. Yourself broke. Yeah. First of all, yes. first thing to do is spend it all. Yep. This was the title. I just found it. Reactive game design and the Frog Fractions do ARG. So the the other part of the talk was how a lot of it was the, the arc was improvised on the fly, and a lot of it was it was improvised in response to what the players were doing. So like we were watching the uh the people solving the ARG on the game detectives wiki and such and we were like taking their best ideas and making those be canon whoa what even is canon at that point which is <laughs> i <laughs> i mean i i will refer to my own interpretation of the events in frog fractions as my head canon so who knows <laughs> that's actually something i was uh, uh streaming recently and that kind of came up which is uh Somebody uh, posted in chat like their personal headcanon about the uh, lore of Catacomb Kids. And I was like, you know what? I like that. That's my headcanon too now. But wait, yeah. I'm making the game. So that just makes it canon. <laughs> what, what, the, what the hell is headcanon? Headcanon is like a term used pew, in like, pew, pew. Fan, <laughs> uh, like fan fiction spaces and stuff like that, I think. Which is like basically like someone's personal... Uh, belief and desire for what the world of fiction they're consuming is. So it's like there's the canon, there's like the author's canon, which is what actually happens. And then there's your own personal head canon that like these two people after the end of the story go off and marry each other or whatever, even if there's no actual support for that in the actual text itself or, or fiction. Yeah. There's a game that a friend of mine made called Save the Date, which was a IGF finalist in 2013. I was going to say, is that the the dating game where the world is ending, or am I misremembering? Uh, that's the dating game where what's happening is that your date keeps dying, and then mm. you restart the game, but you your character has memories of what's happening. Right. Okay. Um, it, it, I really highly recommend it, especially in the context of figuring out what canon means, because the game is ultimately a deconstruction of the idea that canon and headcanon are in any way different mm. okay that's funny here's something okay not uh not we already have enough lords on this show but i'm gonna bring up one of your favorite lords avery because um <laughs> <laughs> is he you mean bring him up like bring him onto the into the microphone onto the microphone no, he's, rather? Not, he, he's not he's not here right now i was gonna bring him up not, and not as not even okay. as a topic so so lower than that uh so it, it's it, it's it's within, <laughs> okay, <all right>. it's <laughs> within <laughs> bounds but something that uh he and I have talked about in the past is is um at least as he tells it to me like Japanese storytelling being much more comfortable with retelling the same story with different details over and over again um it, at least historically and I don't know what examples he has of this but he's really into those giant monsters like Godzilla type thing and and I forget what they're what they're called kaiju, kaiju and stuff like that um but I thought about the legend of Zelda and like you know, I never felt like the, there was a chronology with The Legend of Zelda, and I guess apparently maybe there officially is at some, now, but I'm pretty sure that this was not intentional originally, or that was not the intent. But every Zelda game is the same stupid game over and over again. Same characters, yeah, same, same with, with Mario, Mario, same bullshit, different, different color jumpsuit, but actually same color jumpsuit, but like same, same <laughs> yeah. bullshit, different, different pickups different dungeons different number of dimensions yeah, different number of dimensions different <laughs> dungeons it it's okay though and at like being someone who like i love zelda games i love mario games and 
um, it doesn't feel wrong or cheap or something like that. And, and I don't crave some kind of extreme continuity, which I think is why I'm so disturbed by a lot of uh, by the Star Wars mm, universe that it, like it, everything has to match up perfectly in some kind mm. of uh, like seamless chronology. I think I first became aware of that with Rogue One where like they have to show you exactly how everything ties into like Princess Leia and stuff like that. I'm like, that was kind of unnecessary. Could have just been this cool little side story. Yeah, that that movie was just like based on a single throwaway line from from yeah, the exactly. first movie. And yeah. it's like that would have been it would have been cool almost as a legend, you know. Um and, and even with the movie it would have been cool to have it anyway, this is getting a little bit off topic, but why did I bring this up? Zelda? Uh oh, he- head cannon. <laughs> um, I think that I think that 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 we've become a little more obsessed with the idea of what's canon and what's not. Probably because there's like I don't know. We don't use oral uh, tradition to pass information. We don't retell stories and we don't smear the details. We don't change things. We we have everything recorded, and that is the source of truth. Is the recording? That's a good point. Yeah. Like like in the past, like if some if someone were to tell a story or something like that, it would be sort of. Yeah, like like some kind of orally passed down or like like open to mutation uh freely. Uh and also like I think yeah. I think there's a lot to be said about like uh copyright laws and trademark laws and stuff around that sort of thing. Um but now yep. it's like once something is made, it's kind of written in stone. And a lot of media recently seems to be like reboots of old properties which are kind of taking the same sort of uh idea of like retelling the same story but in a different way with different people yeah. different actors maybe and that sort of thing but it doesn't seem to be coming from a place of like just wanting to tell the same story yes. in a different way it yeah. seems like it's often coming from a place of like we have no ideas <laughs> <laughs> well i, I don't know i don't even know if it's necessarily no ideas it's just like everything is so expensive to make now that people can't take risks Right, you need a known property yeah. that you know people already or you already know people yeah. like it. Yeah. Just as a starting baseline. Yeah, yeah, when you were talking about like retelling the same story over and over again, I was thinking of Batman. Gr- great example. Yeah. Great example. How many times has Batman's origin story been told? Yeah. Like like it's got to be like thousands, right? Like w- like inc- if you're including the comics. Uh Yeah, yeah. But like even mm. even excluding that, like it's dozens at least. Uh, of times, it's, yeah, a lot of lot of times. Maybe t- to a lesser extent, James Bond. Uh, Batman's a better example because there is a little bit of like a an arc and a timeline, but um, they both have a, sort of an episodic feel to them somewhat, uh, and they're both things that you can kind of recreate. Hmm. It's like you were saying; it's like the same overarching event, but details change and are different based on the needs of the story and the storyteller at the moment. Yeah, I'm a little bit guilty of the being too much of a, a fascist about canon uh, when it comes to music, I think, for certain types of music that are very based on the specific recording and aren't really things that could be performed, like certain types of electronic music. Um, I would get very attached to the idea that there is like a, the correct version of it or the correct way mm. to tell it. But obviously, you know, Music is another example of it. I'm curious what you I'm curious what you mean by that. Like just in terms of like like very attached to the idea of like this one recording is the right recording or like don't remix this or like there, what do you mean by I would say that yeah, I would say that I look at uh specific recordings as the 
like the 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 one true one and like a live version Mm. or a remix or whatever is lesser lesser offshoots it doesn't mean that they're not good but like there is an origin and 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 like the the true version of something is a specific recording uh and it doesn't not even just electronic music like the album versions of songs as opposed to live variants or whatever um stevie i don't want to assign you homework but you should play save the date uh i have a tab open with that right now um and i uh i'm interested in that well actually cool. uh we were uh stevie and i we, we were talking just the other day recently about how you like and i know i kind of feel like this might be connected or, or related in some way how you don't like games that require you to make a choice that you can't take oh, back dear fucking lord <laughs> this is why i haven't finished the uh, Night in the woods yet. Yeah, I'm stuck. Yeah, Yeah, it's very stressful for me. Yeah. Like the idea that there is a right decision to make, and if you can't make that decision, then you'd rather just not make it at all or something like that. Uh, There's a little bit of FOMO, I guess, mixed in with that. It's it's not so much... um, There's there's two things. I think with Undertale, I think maybe we were talking about Undertale. Um, I played through it once, and I... I guess I didn't, didn't care about it enough to be too stressed about it, but you know, I had already heard at that point that there are multiple sort of paths and play styles that you could have, and that's a little bit stressful because, like, um, have consumed a lot of games. Well, actually, more than games, and movies. Things have like a right, have like a a, a single truth of uh, the story. What happens, uh, you know, happens, and there's no like variation on it. I I'm not sure if it's the same thing as as this idea of oral tradition and retelling a story in different ways and, and being, okay, being okay with details changing. It almost feels more like FOMO. <laughs> mm, right. Yeah. That makes sense. But then. there's something, yeah. there's something connected there though. You're right. And that's all the time we have for topic Lords. We did good. Tyreek, if this is something that you want, where can people find you on the internet? Uh, you can find me at four bit Friday uh, in places where I am and where I'm not, I won't be that. And Stevie, if this is something that you want, where can people find you on the internet? Just send me an email. It's codroid at gmail.com, C-O-D-R-O-I-D. Sounds good. Thanks so much for being on. Thank you. Thank you, Jim. It was fun. And thanks, Tyreek. Yes. Hi, this is Jim. This is the audio I append to every episode of Topic Lords. Congratulations to our newly anointed lords. This episode was edited by Esper Quinn, who can also edit your episode if you contact them on Twitter. If you'd like more people to hear the show, you can tell your friends about it, or rate and review us on whatever podcast service you use. You can add content to the Topic Bucket by emailing topicbucket at topiclords.com, and you can contribute to our Patreon at patreon.com slash topiclords. Patrons get episodes a week early, and you get access to the Topic Lords Discord, where you can discuss topics with all the lords that hang out in there. See you next episode!